Reimagining Black Relations, a podcast on solutions to issues relating to the Black race. Welcome to another episode of Reimagining Black Relations. I'm your host, Dr. Francesca Fajimi. If you've ever had any dealings with Blacks, you have a Black matter, so this is for you. Together, let's begin to shape and reimagine our Black relations. Whether you are Black, white, or brown, trust me, you will learn, gain, and execute just by listening. Come along. Our guest today is Dwight Coates, the Senior VP and Chief Information Officer for his company. Dwight, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Do you mind introducing yourself? I want you to just do the due diligence. I don't want to mess things up because I know you're doing a fantastic job over there in your company. So why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners today? So sweet. Thank you so much. Uh, as you said, I'm Dwight Coates. I'm the CIO of Sidcor. We're the largest outsourced sales company in North America for primarily telecom uh, sales, either through, we have about 4,000 people in the field. 400 offices, actually. We have an online center and then a phone center. So if you come in contact with us in a Walmart or Target or at your door with a telecom solution, that's one of our people. Something that I'm really proud of doing for the past four years is rolling out the Salesforce ecosystem, companies like AT&T and Got Dealer of the Year. So I'm just super excited for what we've built and the team that we've had behind us to build it. Thank you so much for that. I want to go straight into the topic, and which is about inequalities, racism, injustice, and the likes. Can you describe your first encounter with the issue of racism? Yeah, you know, it's, it's clear in my mind, actually. It was my first job out of school, and I was at one of the big four accounting consulting firms. And, you know, you were there working with so many, you know, bright people, and I was just very fortunate to be there. And I heard something, you know, from a, you know, more of a senior manager at that point that just was, it wasn't right, you know, and it wasn't right in any situation. And, um, you know, it's interesting looking back on how I dealt with that is, you know, very softly, I said to the person, you know, beside me, that can't happen, which, you know, that person, you know, also said that can't happen. But, you know, IA was uneducated. I didn't know what to say. You know, you're 21 years old at your first job out of school. And it was just awkward, you know, and, you know, I felt different kinds of emotions. And I'm glad we're talking about this because we can talk about it now. And even as uncomfortable as it might be, and I'm educating myself, it was way more uncomfortable then. But I also just felt terrible for the person it was directed, you know, to. And, you know, I, this person did not hear the conversation, but still it was said, it was thought, it was out there. And then, you know, this person who said it, how might that have affected my brain if my brain thought differently or someone else's? And how would that have changed potentially, you know, working together in a team, this other person's, you know, trajectory? So, yeah, that was, that's really, you know, thankfully, you know, growing up, I did not see that. And it was interesting, you know, in my first work assignment that I did see that. So that was at a very young age that you witnessed that professionally. It's interesting because most Black people experience this all their lives. It's not a decade of injustice. It's a lifetime of Mm -hmm. injustice being treated in this manner. And especially even on the job now, many Black people tend to just go through it. They, They, you know, that's how it goes. On the job, you try to speak differently, you act differently, you present yourself differently, and you overlook things because you need to keep that job. 
Can you share some of those unspoken decisions that you may describe as injustice, inequality, minimal opportunity, those type of scenarios where nobody talks about it, you just know that's the norm in your organization. What are some of those silent code of conduct that nobody really describes? You just know it's there. It may not be in your current organization, but you've seen it before. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that drive the systemic kind of racism that we're describing. Yeah, thankfully, I do not see that in my current organization, and I haven't seen it blatant for years. You know, I have seen conversations on, you know, often in my role, I'm on the hiring side. So I often hear, you know, at some points, it was commentary on, oh, who is this person? And, you know, while it might not have been as blatant as, you know, what it could have been, thankfully, it wasn't right, you know, and, um, you know, everyone, you know, it's interesting, our country, everyone, you know, our country was created on the fact of everyone being created equal. Yet we had, you know, the genocide of, you know, the indigenous people here and, you know, people who a lot of white wealth was built through, you know, slavery. And that's just something that, you know, I think about. And, you know, when I was in these situations and I've seen it, it, it's often, you know, maybe people are just uneducated or they're not, you know, I hate to even use the word, but just sophisticated and advanced thinking. And in my mind, I don't see color. And where I've learned and when I see little things or bigger things in the workforce, it's up to me to have change, you know, and it's interesting. And throughout the many years of, you know, while I don't see color and I seek to help everyone and like the great Maya Angelou, you know, has said, you know, it's not the action to tell you feel. And, you know, I felt bad in my life at times and I don't want anyone hearing one thing, one action, seeing something to affect it. But when I look back, could I have done more? Absolutely could I have done more. And I think this, you know, terrible situation with George Floyd has just really awakened, you know, a lot of us to have conversations that we should have been having 20, 30 years ago. I mean, the fact that, you know, black women couldn't vote until the mid 60s, I was just learned that. That's shocking to me. You know, I was born in the 70s and to think that was there just 10 years ago, you think in your mind, maybe this was there 200 years ago or 100 years ago, but it was this recent that something like that happened. But, um, you know, I think it's up to, to me, to you, to others and leaders when we hear stuff or see stuff or anything to just call it out and have that uncomfortable conversation because without having those uncomfortable conversations, we can't move forward. We can't make positive change and we can't, you know, it, it's the sum of all these parts, me doing something, you doing something, others, and that's what affects change. Absolutely. I appreciate the way you phrased it, what needs to happen on the responsibility that we all have. You have heard the phrase white privilege and I've yeah heard it a few times in the past few months. How would you describe it? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And I have a book beside me um, called White Fragility. And this book covers that actual topic, actually. And because of that topic is why I got the book. Um, You know, it's interesting. And, you know, when I think of white privilege, it's many different things. And as I've educated myself and what our company's done, actually, is we've actually had open phone lines for people to come into Zoom calls like this with the whole company and share, you know, situations. And, you know, I never had to worry about walking down the street, you know, with a hoodie on and something happening. You know, it's a privilege or a white privilege for me to be sitting here talking to you about racism when I don't know if you've experienced, you know, what level of racism. So there's privileges that, you know, I have that I realize that I have. 
And, you know, I think it's up to me, it's up to any leader, it's up to any person to just understand that. And I think, too, the interesting thing, it's um, the book that I just showed you, it, it's a hard read. And it's a, it was really hard for me to really think about things differently, but I needed to think about things differently. And again, things are happening. And in my mind, I was probably thinking, oh, things are getting better. But in some cases, they weren't getting better. But I think it's off, you know, it's easy for someone, you know, who is white, for example, to say, I'm not racist. Um, you know, I used to do marches 20 years ago. I've read this book. But it, it's almost like a defense. And I think when people use it as a defense, it would shut down a conversation. And the extreme of that is maybe that's even a form of bullying. If someone was trying to have a conversation, you know, someone used an excuse quickly, it was uncomfortable, and it shut it down. Well, that didn't affect change. So, you know, I think it's just something that I understand and I see and, you know, and I'm educating myself on. And I think, you know, when, I, when I've been reading a lot, a lot for the past, you know, month and, you know, little things, you know, when... You know, I was in high school or college. I didn't do drugs, but some kids did. And the, the cops weren't there arresting people and taking them to jail, perhaps. And these people went to college and had, you know, great careers. And in other situations, you know, that might not have happened. And, and it's just people have to think about that. People have to think about all these things when making decisions or understanding, you know, the other side of the aisle, which we all need to be on one side. But you just have to understand that these things have happened and these things have perhaps, you know, really stunted change when change could have happened. I was speaking with an anthropologist and I just wanted to understand what's even our roots. Where did all these things come from? Where did it stem from? First of all, he said, all human, every single one of us, we came from Africa. We kind of all one big family. Maybe not happy family, but we are all one big family. So right. in a way, we are brothers and sisters. And how would you feel doing what we're doing towards Black people? And if that's your brother or your sister or a close, somebody that you care for, that would be very painful to imagine that. Mm -hmm. So let's take this a little into a different realm right now. What do you think when you saw that video about George Floyd? You know, it, it brought a lot of emotion. It brought um, you know, just so much emotion. I think, you know, just pausing and just thinking through anyone's head how much emotion you might see that. But it was shock. It was anger. It was sorrow. It was, you know, this person is, uh, you know, I didn't know at the time when I first saw it, you know, but this is definitely someone's child. He could be someone's spouse, could be someone's dad, which we found out, you know, he was. And, you know, no one should be treated that way. And this is 2020. And, um, you know, it's, it's so many emotions. It's from anger to sadness to why is this happening? But, you know, on self-reflection, it's very interesting because back, you know, when I saw it, it was, you know, we weren't having these conversations and we should have been having these conversations. But, you know, all these things that I said were my emotions, but my emotions should have also been, what can we do? Who can we talk about? How do we, you know, and, and thankfully everyone started talking about it and now we can, uh, you know, affect change. But it's, it's interesting that, and so sad that something like this had to happen again in 2020 for us to, you know, literally stop this and, and say enough is enough. Yeah. And unfortunately he wasn't just George Floyd, right? I know. It, it, and it's, you know, it's so interesting. And I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of people affecting change like yourself who are, way more knowledgeable than I am. But when you think about, you know, the the pattern for the past month has been around, say their name, say his name, say George Floyd. You know, you hear Breonna Taylor, you know, sadly, 
I wasn't educated. I, I knew the name, but I hadn't done the research. When I started doing the research and realizing this, you know, amazing nurse who was you know going on to doing amazing things was shot and killed in her home in the middle of the night for no for no reason. I'm like, it, it's people need to talk about it, and you know, I think people need to be educated. That's what I'm trying to do, but it, it's just sad, and it's there needs to be justice. There's been injustice. And this is a time where we can work together to just, again, say enough's enough and, and this has to change. Absolutely. And, you know, I kept also doing a role play. So I'm linking the privileges that many white people have. And then you're feeling this emotion about George Floyd and black people in general, that they've suffered a lot, injustices and all these implicit biases towards them. Then we're saying that we don't want inequalities anymore. We don't want injustices anymore. So then that means that the playing field needs to be leveled, right? There will be the privileges will be human privilege. It will not just be for one group of people. It's going to be for all. How does that make you feel? Because, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so if I have this privilege and now all of a sudden I need to share with others, it feels somehow. Yeah, you know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm also, and, and you know me pretty well, is I'm, I always see, I try to look at the positive side of things. So it's not that I'm giving up something, it's others are getting what they always should have had. And we all share this life together. We share the same air. We, you know, we all want to love each other. We all want to be brothers and sisters together. And having someone having something that, you know, that I have that they should have, that's not taken away from me. It's that's equality. And that's what has to happen. You know, it's really interesting, you know, and and sad in a way it's again, and I've been doing a lot of work and and we just do a lot of work at our company, you know, as well. But, you know, there's these bias sync classes that I'm taking and it's so interesting when, you know, it's so sad. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but there's a doll test where, you know, there's a black doll and a white doll and they have little kids who, you know, some are white, some are black. And they often say, which one's, which one's good, which one's bad. I mean, it was so heartbreaking to see a black child say, this one's bad. Which one looks more like you pointed to the same? Like, how is that happening? And I think there's so much sensationalism in movies and media and just anything where, you know, a white person's role is this and a black person's role perhaps is this, but that has to stop. You know, I, I've done another, you know, lesson and learning and there's a bike test out there too, which literally shows you know, a blonde white girl saying, oh, I locked myself out of my bike. Can you help me cut it free? And then, you know, a black gentleman doing the same where people are saying, oh, is this really your bike? Why, why are people thinking that? You know, it, it's, you know, and as much as we think people don't see color, sadly they do. And it's, you know, I think people are raised with some kind of bias, no matter what about something that could be, you know, biased against black people, biased against white people. But I think we have to just think about these things and, you know, have conversations, you know, and, and when I, you know, see things like that, to back to your question, that's why I brought this, you know, unique situation up is that should not be my privilege. And, you know, these children who we're raising now and, and that are being raised in the society, this has, again, it's to me, it's 2020. I would think we're so evolved. This isn't happening, but it's still happening. So, you know, through all of this, you know, I think, you know, people who can affect change are, and whether it be lawmakers or even people who don't, you know, it's, it's the hardest when the, you know, when the string pulls the tightest and then it pops. So I think it's good. Let's push these conversations and, and stop this because we're all humans and, you know, this, this has to stop. 
Yeah, and we need each other, don't we? We do, especially now. Yeah, especially now. You know, we're going through, you know, how often I think in our lifetimes have we gone through this conversation that needs to happen alongside of a global pandemic? And we need each other more than ever. And, um, you know, we are a human society not a segregated, you know, society. So we have to. Absolutely. When I think about many Black people and what they've been through, whether it's professionally, socially, economically, they have been through a lot. And for them to still, especially in America, Black Americans, and for them to still continue to push on and be pleasant, cordial, a member of the society to just make it a comfortable place for everybody. You have them in nurses and doctors and all the various contributions they've made to this society. And they're still going through this. It's very painful to think about it, but it gives me hope that there's an element of kindness within the Black Americans, despite the pain and the agony they've been through. I'm just hoping that through these conversations, we'll be able to get to a point where everyone will feel valuable relevant in their own right, just as having the privilege of being a human being. Absolutely. And I think to your point, what, you know, is so humbling and just amazing is the kindness, especially of, you know, many Black people I know and many Black people I don't know. And I don't put up with a lot. So if I know something like it's really happening and now I'm educating myself on a lot of bad things happening, I do things to stop it. And just the kindness and the attitude of this will get better. And, you know, I think there's, we also just saw a lot of anger, you know, and people were not being heard. So that's why we saw the anger. But, you know, that has to change. People have to be heard. But, um, you know, it's interesting is, you know, as I was, you know, I, I normally don't have conversations like this. I'm so glad we are. And I'm having more of them with many people. But I called someone and someone's like, oh, and he said, that's, you're the last person that I probably would have thought would have called and had this difficult conversation, which I, you know, that took me back a second, like, oh, why would you think that? But it, it's, why wouldn't he think that, you know, because, you know, we had worked together for years and we never had conversations like this when, you know, I should have had conversations. It was uncomfortable, but I think the more we have to have these uncomfortable conversations, and even if it's so odd where, we have to reflect on it and come back, but still can continue to keep having it, whether it be with whomever it's with. That's the only way that you know, we can progress. Absolutely. Thank you, Dwight. Today, I think it was this morning, I heard on the news about a large conglomerate making a commitment that in the next five years, they would double the number of Blacks in their organization. So I thought to myself, what does that even mean? If you mm -hmm. have 10 today, it means in five years, you'll have 20. We're talking mm -hmm. about the conglomerate. Yeah. Tell me, what's your thought about that? What's your company doing? Yeah, you know, we, we're thankful to have a very diverse workforce. But, you know, as we've done self-reflection and, and looked, you know, it's, it's interesting on our very top leadership team, it's not as diverse as we would like. Um, you know, I do work in technology. And while I do hire a lot of different people from different areas, you know, it, it hasn't come to my mind, and it should have, of I need to make sure when I see resumes, when I'm talking to people, that I'm including just as many, you know, African Americans than I am, you know, any other race. And, you know, it's interesting because I, you know, worked with amazing, you know, black people like you, and I would love to, you know, we do something fun together again. You know, I've had other people come in I've worked with, and it's just something where you have to consciously think about it. And, you know, I think, you know, the term that we all need to be talking about is, you know, the Black Lives Matter, you know, and it boils me when people say, 
all lives matter because, you know, as you know, we've all heard the analogy, that house, they're alls, that's not on fire. This is something that we have to focus on. And, you know, there's been so many wrongs that have happened in the black community. And, you know, I think it's people like me to help make that right, to make sure that we're interviewing, making sure that we're hiring, which we are. And, you know, anyone that I've talked to, they are as well. So, um, you know, again, I can't speak for, you know, you know, every company or many companies, but again, I think it's through education and, you know, just from my own mindset, you know, in my mind, oh, things aren't happening. This is, you know, things were happening and things are happening. So it's up to, you know, hiring managers to, to really make a change and to make a commitment to make a change. Thank you. I'm going to give you this scenario and it's so real. I've been having a lot of conversation as well in the past month and I've heard so many perspectives. It's unbelievable. So you are part of the executives in your organization or a board member of an organization. So you look around the table, even if you're black. So even for myself, I'm black and I look around the table and you see white. And you used to seeing white. You know, if you see black, it looks weird. It doesn't look right because you are accustomed to seeing white. So when they're talking about executive, there's a picture that's already in your mind, what it looks like, because you sit on that table all the time and you know what you say and what you are accustomed to seeing drives some of the decisions you make. Are you saying we need to change that? And how do we go about changing that? Yeah, I think I think we have to we have to absolutely change that. And I also it's interesting to hear you say that. And I I, I hear different things. And again, I'm continually learning, learning, learning. You know, when you think of a CEO of a company, for example, you know, there's thankfully some big companies have black CEOs. One of the most fabulous people I've met in the past ten years. Um, at that time, she was the chief diversity officer for AT and T. Um, they had just acquired DirecTV where I worked. So if you were a director and up, you went to this, you know, thing and, you know, we were in Atlanta and she was fabulous. And she talked about inclusion and diversity. And, you know, when I saw her on stage, in my mind is this is a, you know, top leader of a multi-billion dollar company. You know, she's now the, you know, CEO of the Dallas Mavericks. You know, that's when you think of the CEO, you know, me seeing things like that, for example, and seeing others, you know, there's been Jamba Juice and other ma- massive companies that I've worked. Actually, you and I, I think, might have worked on that account together. I forgot. But there's some major people who the more people see comes normal. And something that I've seen and I often watch CNBC in the morning is a lot of companies are hiring more racially diverse and especially black board members. And, you know, that has to change. People have to see it. They have to, they have to be seen in that group. And also just the people that we're growing now, you know, it's, you know, I was watching another, I've been, you know, reading and listening and watching a lot. It's interesting when you see a promising young person in school, the video that I was watching this week, literally someone, one person said, wow, she'll be a great nurse. The other person said, wow, she'll be a great doctor. And they said it at the same time. I mean, people have to dream big. You know, we were always, you know, I was always raised to dream big. And, and, and we have to make sure that this society in this day and age sees themselves as a board member, as a CEO, as a doctor, not just some, you know, other opportunity. Thank you. As we get into the end, I want you to imagine yourself on a global platform. Okay. And you need to speak to... Uh, your white colleagues or non-blacks about mm-hmm. what's going on and what needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, just picture that. What would yeah. you tell them? 
I, I would say, you know, coming from a white person speaking to other white people is we have to admit that we have a privilege. We have been given oftentimes the leg up when other people haven't. Oftentimes, you know, we just have to realize as much as we can say, well, we're not racist, we don't see colors. Things have happened and are happening to people of color and especially blacks. And we have to talk about it. We have to make an effective communication channel to talk to all kinds of people, whether it be in your organization, outside of your organization. And also just ask and talk to your black friends and colleagues. How have you been treated? How has this affected your career? How has this affected your family? I bet the stories that people will hear, the stories that I've been hearing, it not only makes you want to do something, it makes you want to do more. And we can't just have this as this is the fad of the moment to talk about this. This has to be built into our blood, built into who we are, and to absolutely every single day, we have to make change, we have to make strides, we have to push back if we see anything. And this is equality. It's everyone equality. And, you know, I think having continual conversations around, are we hiring black people in these roles? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? And again, just starting the conversation. And, and even when it's uncomfortable, I would say to people, because that for me, um, you know, you've known me 20 something years, I guess now, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I used to be really shy. I'm not so shy anymore, but Hey, it's okay. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to have these conversations. But without you and I having these conversations, without our colleagues having these conversations, we can't have change. And we are in a world where we have to have equality. Everyone has the same rights. Everyone has the same ability. And I would just say, this is your mantra. This is what I'm asking of you, you know, and, and we go from there. But without people having that conviction and that attitude and continually pushing, pushing, pushing and always having it at a top level of what we're focusing on, we can affect change. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Dwight, uh, for reaching out to, to our white brothers and sisters. I'm going to be calling them that because that's, uh, that's who we are to one another. Do you mind uh, speaking to our black brothers and sisters as well? They've gone through a lot, you know that. I want you to describe what you see as the reimagined relationship. What is going to look like? What's the future going to look like based on what you just told our white yeah. Uh, colleagues? Yeah, you know, this, this is, you know, you and I haven't talked before, so I'm, I'm thinking very quickly on how to, you know, this is, again, it's slightly uncomfortable. So, you know, I like you asking me these questions, but, you know, I think, you know, to my black brothers and sisters, it's push, you know, don't be silent. Don't think, oh, maybe he doesn't want to hear that. Maybe she doesn't want to hear that have the conversation without me and others knowing and really understanding where people are coming from, we can't partner to make change. You know, I also think that, you know, there has been injustice and, and it's okay to say there's been injustice. It's okay to say, wow, this is something that I went through. Did you go through this? No. Yes. You know, and just start having those conversations and it's okay. And I think we have to be able on both sides you know, blacks and whites to, again, we're the brothers and sisters in this world. We're part of, you know, we're all here together. But on both sides, we have to be comfortable having these conversations and making each other uncomfortable. And that's what I would ask, you know, anyone who I'm friends with or not friends with or want to be friends with, but just push, ask, it's okay. Let's just have that dialogue. And, 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 and again, you know, again, I love this book that I'm reading, you know, White Fragility. It's, you know, without 
you know, I, I know that there's been privilege in, the, in my situation and I recognize that it's okay for you to recognize that and let's have a conversation, how to stop that and how to move forward together. Wonderful. Thank you so very much. Dwight, I want to ask you, would you be up to going to Africa? I would. I've always wanted to go. That would be so fun. Okay. I think you should. And I will really want you to go because you will get to see a lot more about what Blacks are all about. It's this authenticity in, in being Black. And you will really get to understand what they're made of. I want to encourage you. Look, give me a call when you're ready. I could, yes. you know, take you places over there, okay? I would love that. No, I just adore you. You are so, so much fun, you know, when we used to work together and you've done such amazing things. You're such an inspiration. So I'm just so proud that you're, you know, championing this as well. So thank you for that. Of course, Dwight. Thank you so much for taking the call and uh, coming on to uh, present this to the world, because this is not just an American thing. This is going to the world. So I want to really appreciate you, your honesty and frankness, and even showing your vulnerability regarding what you're reading, what you're understanding, and and, uh, you're truly a role model, Dwight. I want to thank you for that. Thank you. you. Well, we're all in this together. Thank you. Dwight took us on his personal and professional journey as he tried to navigate this new terrain with no existing playbook. I really appreciate his courage as we all build the future playbook of the reimagined Black relations. So what are the critical points? To Black people, he said, push. That is, don't accept the status quo. Secondly, don't be silent. And thirdly, It's okay to call out injustices. And then to white, he said, it's true, whites have a privilege and they have a leg up. Secondly, he said, you should create an effective communication channel to talk about these issues. Thirdly, ask your black friends and colleagues about the impacts of this racial issue on themselves, their families and friends. And finally, demand for equality. Thank you again, Dwight. To all our listeners, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and encourage them to subscribe on yourblackmatters.com. Also, if you have any feedback for me, please email me at francesca at yourblackmatters.com. Dwight, thank you for your contribution to the history we're making together. I'm excited to be a part of it. God bless you and your family. To all our listeners, may God bless you as well. And may the Lord bless the United States of America. See you next time. Bye-bye.